We're going to be starting a brand new series uh, this morning. This series will actually take us through January if everything goes the way I'm planning it. And the title of the series is Greater. Greater. The verse that we're really going to be looking at, kind of our main verse, and we'll kind of hit on this this morning kind of as an introduction. We'll talk about it in other weeks as well, but kind of want to look a little bit deeper into it this morning before we kind of jump into really what this morning is all about, is, is found in John 14. John 14, 12 and 14 is kind of our main verse, it's kind of our theme verse for this entire series, and so I want to kind of look at it together before we really jump in. So John 14, 12 uh, through 14, this is what it says. Jesus is speaking here, he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Now let's stop there for a second. Let's, let's see what Jesus has just said. Okay? Now I know this may be simple, but, but sometimes we need to take a stop and really take a, a deeper dive into what Jesus has communicated to us. Jesus is talking here to his disciples. He's talking to people who believe in him. So if you are a believer in Jesus, Jesus is speaking these things, not just to the people that maybe we look at as kind of the heroes of the faith, Peter, James, and John, and all those guys, but he's speaking to every believer. So if you're a believer in Jesus, Jesus is making this comment through his word to you this morning. And he's saying, listen, if you believe in me, the things that I have been doing, the works that I have been doing, you are going to do greater things than that. So I want you to stop for just a minute and think about all the things that maybe you, have, you think about when you think about all the things that Jesus has done. Now, it's easy to think about the things simply like, for example, the healings that he has done, you know. But I mean, he did, he, he, blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were opened, dead people were brought back to life. These are some of the things that he did. Now, we tend to look at those things for obvious reasons. They're amazing miracles. But let's also look at the teaching that Jesus did, the ministry Jesus did, the, the, the ministry to the multitudes, and then also the ministry to the one. These are also amazing things that Jesus did. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a second. Jesus, what he's saying to us, is saying, listen, the things that I did were great. They're good. They're great things. But he's saying to you and me, you are going to do greater things than that. Now, I want you to stop and let's be honest with ourselves. I don't know if in my life all the time I'm doing greater things than Jesus. That's a little intimidating. That's quite a challenge. But thankfully, he doesn't stop right there with verse number 12. He continues. He says, how is this going to happen? Because that's my question. How, how, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. How in the world am I going to do greater things than that? Well, he goes on. He says, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus is saying, listen, and this is important that you understand this, because what people tend to do is they forget this part. They read verses number 11, or number 12, excuse me, and they don't continue on with these verses. So they see this, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be doing greater things than Jesus. How in the world? Well, listen, we have a helper. We have someone that is going to be a part of bringing those greater things out of you and me. And it says this, he says in verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now check out verse 14. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. 
anything in my name and I will do. How can you and I do greater things than Jesus? It's simple. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to start making intercession for you. And some people have said, yeah, where's Jesus now? Where's Jesus right now? Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father, and he is praying and interceding for you and me. Listen, I hope that you pray for me. Know that I pray for you. And that's great. And we should pray for each other. But hey, there is something amazing to think about. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is praying for you and me. He's calling out to his Father. He's saying, hey, hey, you see my, my servant here. You see my son or my daughter. He, they're, they're praying for this. Let's bring forth that greater thing. Let's do that greater thing in them. And so as we look at this series, as we look at these things, some of the things that we're going to be sharing, you're going to sit back to an extent and go, man, this is too big. This is too much. I can't. How in the world am I going to be used by God to do the greater thing? And it's simple. You have an advocate who is calling out to his father for you and for me. So there's a greater thing that God wants to do. There's a greater thing God wants to do in this church. There's a greater thing that God wants to do in your family. There's a greater thing that God wants to do in your workplace and in your school. But unfortunately, we tend to not live in the understanding of wanting the greater. We tend, unfortunately, to live in the desire of if we could just get by. If it was just, just good enough. Listen, listen, I don't know about you. But when I go to a restaurant, I don't want the food to be good enough. You get what I mean? Like if you go to a fancy schmancy restaurant, you want it to be the greatest food you've ever had. And God here and through Jesus is saying to you and me, listen, I am going to give you the greatest if you'll accept it. If you'll believe in me and ask of me in my name, I'm going to bring forth greater things than you could ever dream hope, or imagine. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at several of those different things. But this morning, as we kind of dive into our series, I, I want to look at what I think God tells us is not just the great thing, it's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing. It's the thing that is great, not just, not just good, not just great, but the greatest because I, don't, I believe if we don't start here, if we don't start in this place, everything else we're going to learn over the next several weeks will ring a little hollow. And so that's why we're starting here with a simple question. What is greater than everything? What is greater than everything? Listen, we're getting ready to start 2022, which is just, I don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. You know, like I, I had a hard time last year remembering it was 2021 you know, for a lot of reasons. And so I was telling Emily just recently, I was like, I, I can't even fathom 2022, but here we are. Listen, what are you asking God for in this year? What have you prayed for? What are you longing for? What have you, listen, I want to encourage you during this 21 days to be in prayer and be saying, God, God, I, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I need. This is what I desire. This is what I want you to do in me and through me. So, so in this year, what have you asked for? What are you expecting for? What are you praying for? Maybe it's, maybe it's a financial miracle. Maybe it's a, it's a physical miracle, a healing of some kind. Maybe, maybe you're praying for a relationship to be restored. And all those are great, wonderful things. But here's the thing we need to understand. Whatever you got on your list, there's something greater. 
There's something greater that you need to be looking at, seeking, desiring, and embracing like you never have before. And it may seem simple, but I, I really believe that if I had given each of you a sheet of paper and I had said, I even thought about doing this, but I just thought I'd take too much time this morning. And I said, I want you to write out what you're praying for. What do you want God to, oh, I want to be blessed here, and, and I want to be this and that. Maybe I want a promotion at work. And you would have put all these things down. I would have been surprised if anyone would have written down the greatest thing that you could experience this year. And it's really easy, and it's really simple, but for some reason, we tend to miss it. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. What's the greatest thing? What's greater than everything? Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And I've been thinking about this last several weeks. Like, like as we look at love and, and all the things the scriptures talk about love and all these things, I begin to realize something. You ever, you're, you know, you read the scripture, and we, it's not in your notes, but, but the scripture where it says, you know, people will know, Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples, how? Because of the size of your church, because of how loud your pastor is, because, because, of, because of how well you know the scriptures. What does it say? It says, because of the love you show one another. Now, I thought about that this week, and I was thinking, okay, well, yeah, that, that, sure, that makes sense, but, but here's what I believe. I believe what we are seeing in this day and age, in our culture, in our world, is, 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 is an interesting thing. Love is growing cold. Scriptures tell us in the last day, many love will grow cold. There is, I believe this, there's less love today in our world than there has ever been. Now, why is that important? Because I believe God is getting ready for a harvest that this world has never seen. And what does scripture tell us? How will people know who we are? By the love we show one another. So what I believe is going to happen is I believe, and I believe we're seeing it now, I believe the world's love is going to grow cold, but the believer's love for each other and the lost is going to grow hot. And we are going to see an extreme difference between the two. A difference that no one can deny. A difference where they can say, well, I wonder if that's a follower of Jesus or if that's, they're going to know just based on the love because there's going to be such a discrepancy. The greatest thing you could receive this year is a new infusion and a new understanding of the love of God. Now, here's what's great. You can't get God to love you more. God loves you so much that as much as you would love to say if I could just do this or I could just do that God's love would 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 just maybe more and more oh God would love me more and more and more no 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 God doesn't love you more what I have come to understand is we tend to understand God's love in a greater way but you can't earn it you can't get it but it is there look at Romans 8 a, a very powerful special verse in scripture Romans 8, 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? God's love is so wonderful. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Look what he did. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? 33. Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. 
For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, as we just talked about earlier, pleading for us. Let's continue. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does this mean he will no longer love us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hunger or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Let's jump now to verse number 37. No, no, despite these things, despite the things that we sometimes deal with, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Us. Let's go on with verse number 38. And I am convinced that neither nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to understand something, and I want you to get this this morning. If you get nothing else, get this. It's in your notes. God's love is greater than everything. It's greater than your past, it's greater than your present, it's greater than your future, it's greater than your mistakes, it's greater than anything you could experience. It's amazing. But here's the thing, and, and, and if you've been with us before, you know that, that in Scripture we see different types of love. In Scripture, there's usually three types, and we're not going to get into the three types. I just want to make it simple, because I want to understand, because I don't just want, I don't want just the, 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 a certain type. I want the best type. I want the greatest type of love. So that's the question. What type of love is the greatest? What type of love is the greatest? Well, thankfully, the Word of God shows us. It's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. It's what Jesus Says, and he says it in John 15, 13. He breaks it down very simply. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, here's the thing. We typically obviously go, wow, yes, what Jesus did for you and for me, the ultimate act of love for us was him laying down his life as a ransom for us. But you know what? Jesus isn't just speaking about himself in this moment. He's not just speaking about his willingness to lay down his life. He's speaking to his followers as well. Now, I, Jesus is not necessarily saying here that you got to physically lay down your life and die for someone, even though that may be sometimes what God has asked certain people to do. But how do we lay down one's life? For each other, it's simple. You put others' needs ahead of yours. You put their desires ahead of yours. You die to yourself and your wants, your hopes, your dreams for those of someone else. You ever, you ever listen, some of, some of us have, have, have children or grandchildren. You know what I found about kids sometimes? They don't always come at the exact right moment and ask for the things that are real convenient. You know, it's like you come home from work, you're tired, you're, you're, you're worn out. The, the, the one thing you want to do is just lay down, maybe sit on the couch, put up your feet for like 30 minutes. And what happens the second you get home? 
Daddy, Mommy, play with me. Daddy, Mommy, show me this. Daddy, Mommy, help me here. And you know what? Sometimes, and I know, I, I guess, I know one has ever experienced this before, okay? I know. But I know I have. And you know what I want to do? I want to go, son, go away. Leave me alone. You know, that, 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 that little monster inside wants to come out and be like, can't you get, I just walked through the door. You know, sometimes dying to self is getting out of that chair and getting down on the floor with a bunch of Legos and saying, yeah, son, what you need of me right now is more important than what I need. We do it with our spouse. We do it with our family. Hopefully we do it with even complete strangers. That is a type of love that is the greatest of love. Listen, if I could define it very simply, the greatest version of love is sacrifice plus commitment. When you look at the greatest types of love, they seem to always have those two things, sacrifice and commitment. How do you know if you love somebody the way God wants you to or you just like them a lot? Where's your level of commitment and sacrifice? You see, when I perform a wedding for someone, when I'm up here and I have a beautiful bride, a beautiful groom up here, you know what I try to help them understand? Yes, it's, it's awesome. Yes, it's beautiful. But you know what? That relationship, if it's going to work, it's going to be filled with sacrifice and commitment. And we see that in the love of Jesus. We see that, that sacrifice of laying down one's life. We see that commitment that he says, I will love you no matter what. You're not going to get away from my love. There is a commitment there. That is the greatest love. That is the greatest version of love that God wants us to express in our lives. So what do we, what do, we do with all this? What do we do? Listen, here it is. When we look at 2022, let love be the greatest thing you do. Let love, when you look at this year, when you look at 2023 or however it is, let love be the greatest thing you do. Let me, let me, let me talk to you about this because I've experienced this probably a little bit more than others because of what I do. I've been at a lot of funerals. Have done some, attended plenty. And you know what I've learned? In that moment, I've never heard a pastor stand up there and say, man, I want to tell you about Joe, and Joe had the best car I have ever seen. Sally's house was immaculate. I mean, you could eat off the floor. But you know what I did here a lot of times? And I want this said about me, and I want it said about you. They knew how to love. What, a, what an amazing thing. A lot of you know this. I've mentioned this before. And it's kind of an interesting thing. When my grandfather passed away, <clears throat> excuse me, he was buried in the National Cemetery. You know, so he's got the, the white uh, headstone that, that all the soldiers have that fought, you know. And, but he got to choose a, a, a very small inscription. You know what he put? It simply says, he loved his Lord. And I think that he could have easily, if he had had more room, 
put and his family and his spouse and his neighbors. My grandfather loved well. I want that said about me. I don't want it said he was a great pastor. Hope I, I hope I do a good job, but that's not important. I don't want it said he had this big altar or a small. It doesn't matter. I want people to say when I am in a, well, no, I'm not going to be there. I want to be in heaven. But when a body is sitting in a box, I want them to say he knew how to love. He loved like Jesus. How do we do that? How do we do that? What does that look like? We're going to look at three things that I believe God is asking us to do so that we can let love be the greatest thing we do. Number one, we need greater love for God. We need greater love for God. Look at John 15. John 15, 7 and 8. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. A greater love for God. A greater desire for Him. Listen, I don't think we should ever get to a place where our spiritual walk with God isn't a walk of hunger. If you are full of God, you have missed it. You've missed it. Because there's more of God to experience. There's more to experience of him. And when we stay ingrained in him, when we stay in him, that's when things really begin to happen. That's when that fruit really begins to come out in our lives. That patience, peace, joy, all kindness, all those fruits of the spirit become to come out of us when we fall more and more in love with him. So what do we do? How do you fall more in love with God? It's real simple. It's really simple. Two things. You spend time in his word and you spend time in prayer. Congratulations, I just gave you the most obvious answer you're going to get this morning. Why do we take time to fast and pray as a church? Why? Because it focuses us in. You know what we call this? Real simple. It's really called your devotional life. It's called your devotional life. When you spend time studying his word and learning his word and you spend time with him in prayer, your devotional life it, it, it just, everything changes. It changes. I remember way back when I was in, uh, uh, not elementary school, when I was in high school, and my youth pastor would talk about these things, and I remember this phrase, and I put it in your notes because, because I just, it never left my head. But this is what he said. This is what he told us, and it, I, always, it always, I always remember it. He, says if you, he said, if you don't have a devotional life, you will have an emotional life. One of those pastory things to say, isn't it? Because it rhymes. But it's so true. It's so true. I don't know how many times in my life. And here's what, here's what he meant. Here's what I mean when I say emotional life. Because I mean the, the ups and downs, the roller coasters, the ah uh, uh, and whoa. I don't know how many times things have begun to become a little overwhelming and things have become, I'm, I'm starting to kind of, oh my goodness, this is getting too big and too scary or too, too what are we going to do or how are we going to handle this or that. And it is amazing that when I begin to pray, when I go to God's word, how much that anchor steadies me. 
I really believe what we're seeing in our world today is a lack of anchor, a lack of steadiness in the church and out of the church. Why? Because we have forgotten our devotional life. We have thought that we could come to church for an hour, a week, and, and like we talked about last week, put some money in the offering, and that's going to be enough to get us through. Listen, if you're not paying attention, the world that we are finding ourselves in right now, that ain't going to cut it. And we are going to be an emotional wreck if we don't grasp a hold of the anchor that we have in God. If we don't fall more and more in love with him. Listen, the more in love you fall with God, it, the, the more it won't matter how dark the world gets. Because you'll be experiencing the light of the love of a father who says, I've got you. Who says, I'm never going to leave you. You're all, I, I got a plan for you and my plans for you are good. But listen, if you're not spending time with him, if you're not allowing him through prayer or reading of the word to remind you of those things, you're going to seem like you're going to be like a ship on the ocean in a storm that's being tossed around by the waves. Get into God's word. Get into prayer. We are in a perfect time, a perfect opportunity to do that as a church. Let's do that and let's let God bring a steadiness to us as we fall more in love with him. Number two, number two, we need greater love for one another. Greater love for one another. Look at John 15, John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment. Now notice what Jesus said here. Didn't say suggestion or when you feel like it or when people love you back or all those things. He commands us to love each other and he takes it one step further, okay? We're going to break this down in just a second. But he says, each other the same way I have loved you. And he then repeats what we talked about earlier. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, listen, I know that we sometimes have seen this verse before. A lot of us have seen it before. But we tend to forget this little bit of the second part in verse 12. Jesus says to love one another, yes, but then he takes it one step further. He tells us to love each other the way he loves us. So now what does that mean? It's simple. Our love should mirror the love of the Father. So when God says, I'm endlessly patient, slow to anger, abounding in love, are you trying to tell me, Aaron, that I'm supposed to love like that? Yes, I am. That is the way that God has called us to love each other. That is the way that as the world's love grows cold, yours will grow hotter. By loving each other in the same way that Jesus loves you. So that means that, that since Jesus forgave me, I should forgive others? Yep. Does that mean that even though I mess up and God still welcomes me into his, his family, into his, that I should do the same with my family? Yep. But Aaron, you don't know what they've done to me. I know I know, I know, but Jesus does, and he still commands us to love the same way he loves us. That's how that greater love will be. That's how we lay down our lives for each other. But I want to give you something simple this morning, because I'm a simple guy. I want to, how do we, because we, we, we hear this a lot, oh, love God, love people, I get it, I get it. How do we do that, though? How do we show greater love for one another? How do we take our love game to the next level? 
And you would think it would be difficult, but I found it's actually really not hard at all. But it does take sacrifice and it takes commitment. It takes sacrifice and commitment. And I think we see it very simply in Romans 12, 15. We'll read it and then we'll go through it. Look at Romans 12, 15 with me. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. In this little scripture, I believe we have a very applicable and very simple way to take our love game to the next level. Are you ready? Number one, be there for people in the good moments. Now, you would think this would be easy, but I have found it is more hard today than it has ever been. You ever have that say, hey, you get the promotion or, or something good happens to you. You know how hard it is sometimes to find somebody to celebrate with you? They come up, I got, I, I got the job, I got this, I got that. And the person kind of like, oh, well, well, congratulations. And inside, you know what they're thinking? Why didn't I get the promotion? Why didn't I get that? Why didn't God do that for me? We all do it. You know, sometimes you can show a great amount of love by celebrating with somebody. Something amazing happens. Listen, can I ask you a question? When the greatest thing, now hopefully, hopefully the answer here is obviously, you know, on, on this earth, your husband or your wife or your kids. Okay, I get that, and that's great. You should do that. But when something great happens, besides them, who do you call? And if you don't have anybody, why not? Because I think a lot of people don't have someone to call because they've had bad experiences when they do call somebody because that person won't celebrate with them the way that they really want to be celebrated. When God does something great, we need to celebrate. When God does something amazing, we need to celebrate. We're going to look at that in a moment. But sometimes, listen, you want to love on somebody? Be their biggest cheerleader. Celebrate with them. Rejoice with them. You did it. Hey, you did it. You did it. Awesome. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. Love them like that. So you love them in the good moments, but also, and this one's obviously a little more, a little bit, we think about this more often. Be there for people in the bad moments. Be there for people in the bad moments. I want to tell you a quick story that, that really brings all of this in, in a very short amount of time to the table in my life. And, and I, I, you know, it was, it was an interesting time, but, but about 15 years ago, about 15 years and two or three months now, uh, Emily and I got married. And man, it was amazing, and we had lots of people there, and you know, I mean, as the youth pastor, we kind of had to, like, you know, pick and choose, you know, it's like, okay, this amount of people can, you know, pack the church, but, but the reception can only hold so much, and so we were trying to figure this out, and so we were trying to figure out these people that, that we would bring, and, and there was a couple there that were there, and, and their names were Rick and Mary Scales, and, and Rick and Mary at the church that I was at, they, they cleaned the church, and they typically cleaned on Friday night, and so we always had our youth service on Friday night. So as, as, and our youth services would go really late. And sometimes I wouldn't leave until 11 or later. And, and Rick and Mary were typically there cleaning. And so it was a time that we got to kind of talk and, and, and hang out. And Rick would tell jokes. And he, I just love Rick and Mary with, with all my heart. And so, of course, they were at our wedding. And so we were, Emily and I were, were going around to all the tables like the bride and groom usually does and greeting everybody. And Rick was there. And Rick had a big smile on his face. And Mary was so excited. 
And we were sitting there, and it was just such a celebration. Such an amazing moment. Well, the, the evening progressed, and we got married on a Saturday, and so we weren't at church Sunday. And we weren't going to leave on our honeymoon until later on in that week. And so we had, we had gone home Sunday evening, and so we, were, we, we had our first night in, as a married couple in our apartment, and we, we thought, oh, well, well, we'll make cinnamon rolls Monday morning. You know, we were all excited. And so we got up Monday morning. Em had cinnamon rolls baking, and I received a phone call. Pastor had called me, and I just remember him saying, Aaron, Rick Scales passed away this morning. And I just remember standing there just like, you ever have that, that feeling where someone just, it just feels like somebody just walked up to you and hit you with a two-by-four across the face? And I just, I just, I, I, did, I, not, I did nothing. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, what happened? And, and uh, he basically had an aneurysm, and, and, and he, God took him home. He wasn't old. He, he just, God took him home. And I remember I hung up the phone, and here's my, my blushing, beautiful bride. And I said, sweetheart, Rick just passed away. I remember looking at her and I said, we, we need to go. We need to go to Mary. I remember thinking, I remember even saying it to her, welcome to the ministry, sweetheart. And we got in the car and we drove to Mary's house and we weren't the only ones there, but we, we came in. And I remember Mary was just sitting there on her, her little couch, just heartbroken. And I just walked up to her, and, and I know this may come as a shock to a lot of you because of the way I, I talk too much sometimes. But I didn't say a word. I just put my arms around her. It was so hard because just 48 hours earlier, we had been celebrating, and now we were mourning. And I just put my arms around her. I just held her. I didn't try to make it okay because it, it wasn't okay in that moment. And I hope that in that moment she didn't feel anything more than the love of a friend. Sometimes to show the greatest love, it's not about what you say. It's about just being there. And God has called us to show that greater love to be there to celebrate in the good, but also to be there and mourn in the bad. The final thing as we close, greater love for God, greater love for one another, and then greater love for the one. Greater love for the one. Look at Luke 15. What's the one? Let's look at it. Luke 15, 3 through 7. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't gone astray. 
to close this morning, I have a question that you all need to have an answer for. And I really mean this. Okay? As we go through this 21 days, I pray that God has already spoken to you about things to be praying about. I'm going to give you one that I want you to hit real high up on your list. I want you to be praying about God to give you the one. The one. Who is your one? We sometimes get so wrapped up in the 99 and the, oh, there's so many. There's so, find your one and love your one in the greatest way you possibly can. You see, unfortunately, there's too many Christians, there's too many statistics that I believe are true, what we've talked about here before, where there are people that have followed Christ for years and years and years and have never led even one individual to Jesus, never even shared about the love of God that they have experienced from God with their one. Listen, you don't leave this 21 days fast and prayer time without your one. You get your one. I believe God wants to share with you that one. And then you love them and you share God's love with them and God's word with them. You don't stop until they're found. Because I believe God has placed and God will place your one in your heart and in your life. And here's how this works. It's real simple. When God uses you to bring the one home, then you go find your other one. You find your other one. We are like Jesus. We leave the 99 because the one matters a lot. Who's your one? A lot of you already know your one, and that's awesome. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray for them, continue to love on them, continue to be there for them. But I'm going to tell you right now, between online and people that are here, I would bet there's 75% of us that don't have our one. And I think that's being generous. You see, I believe, and I mentioned this before, that God wants there to be a harvest like there has never been. And what does Jesus tell us about that harvest? The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Pray that God sends more harvesters. How do we become a harvester? I think in one way, we find our one. We find our one. We love our one, that one that desperately needs Jesus, desperately needs him. You say, well, Aaron, how, how do I, how does that end? How does that look like? What, what does finding that one really entail? Look, look at Romans 10, 9 through 10. I love this verse. We get it spelled out for us. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We have, we have cards still out there on the little table that can help you in this. But hear me here. One of the things that I believe very strongly that God has spoken to me about this 21 days, and I waited for the first day to bring it up, because I, I just felt like that was the time, whether for those that are here or online, you need to find your one. It's time, folks. We are running out of time. There are people that God wants with us in eternity that need to understand this verse in Romans. 
that need to declare with their mouth and believe in their heart and become saved. And God wants to use you. What's the greatest love? The greatest love that you can express is taking the time with individuals that God has placed in your life and telling them about the amazing, great, wonderful love of God. You want the greatest thing? Look, I, we, we, all, we all have our things that we want this year. And we're going to, God willing, and, and God's plan, we'll be, we'll be all up here next year at the first of the year starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting for 2023. It's going to come like that, you know. And you know what I want to celebrate that day? And celebrate throughout the year the ones being found. The ones that, listen, hear me here. The ones that God uses you to reach. You see, God has, I have my own ones that God's laid on my heart that I need to reach. But God is giving you your one too. And I hope that, that, that we celebrate ones for all of us. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be the greatest gift where we could say at the end of this 21 days or the end of this year, there are people that were on their way to destruction that are now on the road to life because God used me. God used me. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. Thank you, Jesus. For those that are here, those that are online, let's just focus for a second, okay? And I know, here's the thing, you know, it's like as I was putting this together, I was, I was even telling, telling John, um, I kind of had an idea of where I thought this was going to go, and about two weeks ago, I was, I was in Kansas City, and it was like God kind of went, <laughs> and kind of changed some things. This, this, this wasn't, this message wasn't a part of what I was originally going to share. Because I, I'll be honest, I was kind of on a different place with this verse. And, and we'll get to some of those things in the next coming weeks. But it was like God said, you know what? You want greater things. I want greater things. But it starts with a greater love for me a greater love for others, and a greater love for your one. That's where it begins. Because here's the thing, I believe, I, I, I think we saw in, in the verse that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks, I believe we see very strongly that Jesus has said, hey, listen, you're going to do greater things than me. You're going to do greater things. How, how can we love in those ways? It's, it's real simple. We have an advocate. We have an advocate who's praying for us, helping us to do the things that we need to do. You say, Aaron, I, I have my one, but I don't know what to say. You know, Scripture tells us that God will place the words in your mouth. 
maybe in some ways too, you don't need to say anything. You need to be like him and I running over to Mary's house and just be there. Maybe you just need to celebrate. Maybe that, that person at work is your one and, and you're both vying for that promotion, for that new position, but only one of you is going to get it and that other person does. And you go to them and you're not bitter, you're not angry, you're genuinely, truthfully excited for them. You want to talk about a love that'll change somebody in the workplace? That'll do it, folks. I don't know what God's going to do, but I do believe this. There are greater things in store for us. But it begins with a greater love of God, of others, and of the one. And so, Father, we come to you right now as an individual and as a family, for those that are here and those that are online. And God, we pray right now for the greatest thing that you could ever give us to be just on a display in our lives, and that's your love. Father, we know that we can't get you to love us anymore or any less. We know that, that your love for us is just amazing, and nothing can separate us from your love. We know that, God, but now it's time in a new way and in a greater way to let that love begin to affect us in many different ways. How we love you, how we love others, and how we love our one. And Father, I pray that you would just begin, even through this, this next three weeks, that you would just begin to transform us by your love. You would transform us into being a person who loved like you did and how you still do obviously and father i also pray for every person that can hear my voice today or two years from now when they're listening to this online whenever it is that father they would call out to you for their one we're not asking for 400 we're asking for the one we're asking for the one that we can name for the person who we can say their name when we pray for them. We want that one, Father. We want to be used to help find the one that has wandered away. And so God, I pray that if we don't have that one, that when this time of fasting and prayer is over, that that one is so clear to us that we can't even get it, them out of our head. And that you would then use us to bring forth to them your love, your plan of salvation, so that we can celebrate the one being found. We can join with heaven in celebration of the one. Now, maybe this morning, you're here or you're at home or wherever, you're in your car, and you say, Aaron, you know, I, I, I may be somebody's one. I, I, I am the lost sheep. I, I, I don't, I've never accepted the love of God in my life. Well, you can do that right now. You can allow that to take place. How does it happen? We just read it in Romans. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You say, I believe, God, that you sent your son and that because of my sin and my mistakes, that 
that son of yours, Jesus, died for me to forgive me of those things. And I believe that not only do I need that forgiveness, and not only do I accept that forgiveness, but I declare that he is Lord of my life. So we believe in our heart and we speak. We confess with our mouth our faith and knowing that Jesus is who he says he is. And in that moment, we're saved. And so, Father, we come to you as family. Father, those that are here and those that are online, we come together as a group. And, Father, right now we pray that you would give us a greater love for you, others, and the one. Father, we also pray that you would place that one in our hearts and in our minds that you have called us to. And, Father, right now, if there are individuals who never have, Father, I pray that they would begin to speak, that they believe and they know that you are Lord, that you have forgiven them, and that they are now saved by your grace. Father, we love you. Help us. Help us. You're so good. You're so good. So good. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a quick closing chorus. Father, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do as we submit and yield ourselves to you through this time. We're excited and we thank you for the miracles and the salvations and the life change that will take place. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. Hope that you're doing well. If you need anything, please let us know. For all of us, remember this Wednesday night will be a time of prayer at 7. And I know it's tough, but you're going to do it. I know you're going to do a great job through this prayer and fasting time. I'm looking forward to hearing about all that God's going to do. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday.